Okay, hello. Um, welcome to the 250th episode of Script Ramble. Um, big thank you to Barack Obama for coming in last week to talk about how much he hated my episode of uh, Shaun the Sheep. Uh, I, we didn't really have time for that, but it was, it was sweet of him. Um, so if you haven't listened to this before, this is in fact, I think this is like the sixth episode. So normally it's me and Matthew Graham, um, who co-wrote uh, Life on Mars and many other things. And we wander around the Cornish countryside and I fall over and we hear an owl sometimes. It's very exciting. Uh, he is currently in Bristol on the um, flimsy, oh, I'm getting my wife's emails on this computer. This is, this is very exciting. I do like a bit of diegetic sound. So I'm always happy to have things coming and going. That's great. Um, uh, he's in Bristol on the spurious grounds that uh, that's where his new production company is. So we're trying to meet up when he's down. Um, but today we are doing through the miracle of Zoom. Um, I wanted to talk to my friend Simon Ferdows, who is a producer and a director and a writer. Is there any other things you like doing as well? We talked about puppeteering briefly. You're not a natural puppeteer yet, are you? No, I'm not. But I do like to knit. You like to knit? Yeah. Been Fantastic. Oh, okay. You really are a true multi-hyphenate. <laughs> You've got the lot. Um, <laughs> more diegetic sound. <laughs> That's my mum calling. This is so professional. I like, it's best to keep these. And the cat is also snoring in the corner. So, <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, um, so you are a multi, multi hyphenate. But yeah, I wanted to, um, you're in, I assume you're in London at the moment. I am, yeah. East London. You're working on a Netflix. Is it the Netflix show that you're working on? Yeah, it's a Netflix show. Uh, unfortunately, because I signed like a billion NDAs, I can't actually talk about it. No, no, I wasn't expecting <laughs> to talk about it. But we can say Netflix. That'd yeah, be great. It's Netflix coming out this year hopefully it'll be very exciting I hope nice um, and um, if you don't like it please don't tell me <laughs> people do feel the need to tell you if they don't if it's comedy yeah. they will tell you so they're like if it's drama no one people go oh, yeah if it's comedy they go no I hate it because because I will cry <laughs> nothing wrong with being wrong. so what's your um, well no, let's not well, talk about that at all otherwise you might you might get, get taken out by an assassin or something. <laughs> um so what I yeah so the plan is loosely um, talk about what we can talk about what you're doing at the moment because um, you're at like a different end of comedy to me which is, is really interesting because I'm at this sort of scripted end which yeah. is mostly me sitting in my flat in Cornwall sighing and looking out the window and doing a bit of typing <laughs> so someone tried to talk to me about lenses a while ago it's like mate I haven't seen the camera for about five years <laughs> not you know it just doesn't or it's or I'm doing like kids animation which is all like on the computer anyway um, so talk to you a bit about your your credits and how you got there the other thing is during lockdown, you've been doing some really interesting stuff um, with creatives of colour. Mm. And that's something that we could talk about. And just lastly, because this is more of a script writing, loosely a script writing sort of podcast mm. for script writers. And just talk about um, kind of diversity in script writing yeah. and how you approach that from uh, from the script level rather than as is, I think, the temptation to leave it for the casting director. Um, that's my mum again. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell her I said hi. Hi. <laughs> I think my wife's taken it. See, normally this is where like a horse goes by or when we're walking, <laughs> or you have to say, uh, oh, hello to some dog walkers or something. So I, I like to leave, you know, I'm trying to keep it real. So yeah, you, um, other than the thing you can't talk about, um, yeah. you're producing and directing credits that you can talk about. What have you done sort of fairly recently? I know obviously it's been a bit weird over lockdown and stuff, but. Yeah, so I've done like a mixture of stuff. So um, I started directing stand-up just before the pandemic and I've sort of managed to keep it going. Um, so there have been a few people who have wanted to record their stand-up specials, but they just wanted to make sure that it was as good as it can be. So I've been directing in a, in a weird reverse directing shows where they already exist and trying to make it better. Mm -hmm. um, so I've done that with Richard Stott, Right Hand Man, which you can see on uh, Next Up. Uh, Kai Samra's Underclass, which um, I don't think I'm allowed to say where it's going, but it will be streaming soon. Uh, it's with Soho Theatre, so it's definitely going to be on Soho Theatre's website, but on another yep. streaming platform as well soon. Um, and uh, just before lockdown, I directed a um a tour special so this is also unusual because most people will tour their edinburgh show uh but sir Kajla wanted to make a completely brand new show that she would then go on to tour with yeah. so we made a show from scratch previewed it maybe two or three times and then she started her tour and then covid happened oh yeah um, so it's going back on tour again but we've reworked it because like 
um the stuff that she was talking about she's um sort of implemented now over lockdown so things have changed okay. updated it because it's all about um her being 37 seven and moving back in with her parents and almost living life reverse but she's trying to like find herself um also dealing with mental health which is a thing that people in south asian community don't talk about um so she yeah it's it's um it is fun and funny and it's yeah. like really like oh mental health is like oh, no, they all do they all sound really hard <laughs> don't they on, yeah. on, you know, on paper but yeah uh, yeah i was watching um I saw just the beginning of Phil Wang's thing that's mm. just on Netflix. I mean, have you seen that one? Philly, Philly, Wang, Wang. Philly, Philly, Wang, Wang. Yes. Yeah, I saw it at Soho Theatre. Oh, fantastic! Through lockdown. Um, yeah. I haven't seen the Netflix special, but um, what a great show! It's was well, I love so far. I love it. I, I got torn away from it uh, by family and things, but um, I did love the fact that he was. You know, you have to do that whole thing of so um, the context may have slightly changed, but I'm really looking forward to meet <laughs> Prince Philip. I'm very excited about that and all that kind of thing. So it's just, yeah, the, the impossibility, I think, for most people just picking up the show they were doing before lockdown. And yeah. sort of, you know, you've got to, got to rework it and rethink it. Um, yeah, so how much did you get managed to do during... So you've actually got to work through the lockdown, did you? or? Well, not the first half. The first half, I was very much like, oh, the industry's dead now. Yeah. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? That was quite scary, wasn't it? Yeah. So um, me and a bunch of friends um, created um, the Live Comedy Association, yeah. uh, which is because there's never been a body collectively working for comedians, agents, comedy PR, all of that lot, um, to, uh, which I've, I'm not part of anymore, but um, other people have, other much better people have taken over now. Yeah. Um, but it's been really great because um, it's the first time that the government have had somebody from live comedy sit in their meetings and have a say oh brilliant I've never had yeah. before. so they've, okay. they've been invited to dcms meetings and all sorts and that's why um comedy venues were thought of because they wouldn't have been thought of beforehand well no exactly and it is such an industry isn't it yeah um, so like we know. wouldn't i don't think live comedy would have um come back in all the various lockdown opening stages um, until now, I don't think it would have happened until now if, if they hadn't done that. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Well, I imagine like it's it's herding cats anyway to get sort of stand-ups to all move in the same direction. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people still don't know what Live Comedy Association does or yeah. it's effective, but, are, you know, there are plenty of people who don't think we've done anything at all, but <laughs> have the stage time that they have now that they were able yeah. to, to, to do work again. But. I just and, and the people I feel really sorry for are those who who were just starting just as it all kind of kicked off and they've now had to yeah. just oh, you know start all over again are, are those people able to sort of pick up start all over again or um I'm not actually sure because I think some people um have sort of tried to do bits here and there on like zoom and stuff but it's it's quite hard when you're quite new but I've noticed uh -huh. a lot of people that who I hadn't heard of before lockdown who've decided to do comedy now yeah. Um, and I think unfortunately we have lost a lot of people as well because I know that if uh, Kai hadn't done Edinburgh in 2019 he just wouldn't have done it he would have yeah. quit comedy because wow. um, he's come from a background of um, a really working class background from Birmingham um, from a single uh, income family um, he was homeless for quite a long time um, it was uh, he did stand up through basically he was homeless in London um he was at uh, center point and one of their counselors was like what do you want to do and he's like I'm really interested in comedy and they thought he said you know have you ever thought about doing stand-up um and they got him in contact with Soho Theatre and he started doing workshops and stuff and he went from there oh, that's um, brilliant but he's still you know he's his background hasn't changed in terms of yeah he's still got that money and yeah yeah exactly so like he's if he hadn't done that 2019 Edinburgh, all the things that he was able to do over lockdown, working with production companies, writing his own scripts, that would never have happened. Yeah. I think he would have, or he he said he would have, he would have left because he wouldn't have had that momentum and would have felt a bit lost. Yeah. Um, unable to like sort of pick it up because he would have had to get work elsewhere. And I know that plenty of comedians have had to do that. Like Lauren Patterson went to work at Morrison's with her mum. Yeah um she's she's um uh she's still gigging um but she's also um a waitress at a restaurant which is you know it's 
great that she was able to do. Yeah. And Fanny's a novelist and her book just got um, postponed for a year. So she's had to go and, and pick up a gardening job at the National Trust, which is quite a nice. And she says, so it's a nice genteel thing to have to do. But yeah, yeah no, it's bizarre. I mean, I, I've been very lucky. My wife's been able to work through this because she, um, she just set up her office. Um, and I've just been developing. So I think what's going to happen from the scripted point of view, it feels like, is um, everyone's going, oh, OK, well, we'll get people to write scripts while they're stuck in their houses. Yeah. But then I think as soon as they start producing this stuff, they go, yeah, we, we've got enough now for about two years. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, no. So we'll see. how. Like, yeah, the first six, from the scripting point of view, the first six months was just kind of dead. And yeah. just thinking, I don't know if telly is going to come back. Yeah. Hopefully it will. But it, it, you know, it all started trickling back in. Yeah. It was quite well, that's strange. Why I started doing the, um, the workshops because I was like, well, I have all this free time. Yeah. I personally didn't feel in a space to be creative and writing anything. Um, so I figured what I do know what to do is connect people to people yeah um so i thought it'd be a nice idea to do these workshops where um people of color who either are in creative industries or want to get into creative industries to be able to talk to and hear listen to people who are already in the industry doing it and get advice and knowledge and so they can sort of figure themselves out over this period as well yeah there was a real buzz about those. It was lovely. I kept sort of seeing things on Facebook and stuff oh. like that. So how many how many different workshops were there all together? They seem to be... Um, I think I did about 30 in the end. And yeah. Like a mixture, not just comedy uh, or writing. There's some um, areas that I'm not familiar with, like journalism and radio and acting. Um, so I went wherever people were asking for it to go. So yeah. I whatever people needed I tried to fill that gap sort of thing um, yeah. and people have asked for like a publishing one so I'm trying to figure that one out oh that's yeah. interesting mm. yeah oh I might be able to help with that possibly I know some publishing people so see how that goes yeah also and it's a deliberately naive question but mm. why is it necessary to have creatives of colour um well it began because I was really pissed off pre-pandemic when I um, basically I had a meeting with the producer about something else and he started telling me about um, the show that he was making uh, which I got really excited about because I'm Bangladeshi and the show is about Bangladeshis it was Bangladeshis were in the title um, but then he went on to tell me that it was through the lens of a white man who um, because of his personal experience of like growing up with Bangladeshi people around Bangladeshi people in Bradford uh, that that was authentic enough and I was I just got a bit down about it because I was just like well why not call it something else entirely because it's sent because it sounds like it's centered around Bangladesh and it just isn't yeah. um and they ended up doing a pilot and ended up the name got changed um because I don't think it ended up being about Bangladeshis at all in the end but about uh South Asians in general um and I think it became in when it got to the stage of filming it just before that where they when they cast the actors they got those actors to come into the writers room so it was, a, it was definitely a secondary thought of we need to fix this later because otherwise you wouldn't you wouldn't get the actors that you've hired to be actors to come in then to be writers you get them to be writers first and then yeah the other way around um so that really annoyed me um and I just thought I don't know who I need I don't know who I want to talk to about this because I I don't know like I know that there are other brown and black people in the industry but I don't know enough of them and I just thought why not just book a pub, back room of a pub, and just put a call out. Anybody black, brown, want to come and just have a chat and have a drink and we can just chat about the industry and sort of yeah. be like, who else is out there sort of thing, which was really nice. Yeah. There's loads of people turned up. Um, and from that, they were like, oh, it'd be nice if we had like somewhere central to talk about stuff or like connect with other people. Yeah. Create a Facebook group, so I did. Um, so that was um, like February last year. Um, since then there's 700 people in that group now I know I've seen it grow yeah. it's fantastic yeah um, all over the world it's it's fascinating um it's been quite interesting seeing people from Australia in the group who've been really posting, yeah because they've been posting gigs and stuff and I'm like this is really really nice but also I hate the fact that you're all back in restaurants and uh, bars and like we're stuck inside Yes, they're having a lovely time. Yeah, that's a weird, isn't it? I did, um, I know on Twitter you said, um, very gently and very nicely, but like, please don't join the um, 
creatives of color facebook group if you're not actually a creative of color yes which yeah. and i i you know that was sort of quite funny but i have to admit my finger kind of i saw it on facebook and my finger yeah. hovered over the join group because i was like yeah but i've done a webinar so you know it's different <laughs> it's going to be different for me and i'll be the special one and i did i, I had a rare moment of self-awareness went no <laughs> but um yeah no it's a it's it's a strange so what's what's i mean it's 700 people you're not going to say yeah. they all have the same i mean no the thing is i know but he has used the group to bitch or moan or anything like that but I wanted it to be an open space if they wanted to air any sort of like issues that they've had yeah. or concerns that they have. And a few people have had like issues where like they don't know how to deal with a certain space and stuff and they just want advice on that. But mostly people have been using it to be like, I, I don't know how to get into this industry and I would like to know more. And other people have been like, well, I do that and I can help you with this. Oh, that's great. It's been really nice. Yeah. I, something I find um, in comedy as well is that it's people who have uh an independent income mm. um and they could just sort of hang around i guess this could be yeah. anything it's not just wet people obviously anyone but it's there are people who can afford to sort of hang around for years and wait yeah. for the opportunities to come up and it's, but if you haven't got much money mm. or if you know you've got a job and you have to sort of pay the rent then if you miss a couple of opportunities that's just feels like it's it it's really yeah. really hard so i think any kind of support network is is going to be incredibly useful for that so where do you see it going? Or is it one of those things you just want to sort of leave it to do its own thing a little bit? Yeah, I kind of want uh, the community to take it where they want it to go, where they need it to go. Um, it's been really not, like, it's just, I think for me personally, it's just to try and connect people to each other so they don't feel um, that they're navigating these spaces on their own. Yeah. Because when you're in production companies and you're in writers group and you're the only brown person in there, um, it can feel a bit, isolating and lonely it must do yeah mm. and i think there's a weird thing with um with commissioners um yeah. of, sort of scripted comedy particularly where they just seem to want you to write about your own experiences yeah and that can and be quite think, traumatizing oh. yeah and also i mean um so we've got a mutual friend who who um uh maybe shouldn't say her name but she said she she was a, a comedy writer and director mm. i think i mentioned this before on a podcast but she yeah. was constantly asked to to do what she was referred to as miserable brown women projects yeah um, she always being asked to write about suicide bombers or arranged marriages, and she was like, oh, God. "She was like, I just want to do something funny." <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. sure, you could do something funny, but I want to explain it's not about that at all. It's kind of funny. I mean, I, and I, I've been it, I've been quite fortunate that I most of the stuff that I've done is just quite silly, yeah, the end stuff, and I, I really I really love that. But um, I think it's because I've not gone in fully into the scripted world. I think as soon as I fall into that, then it will be more of that. Uh, probably how did you get started yeah. what was your first did you just want kind of want to work in telly or did you want to work in um, comedy and telly was way in or it, but I have absolutely zero connections to tv or anything like I just didn't know anybody in it um my family are family of cab drivers and um stereotypically um curry house owners and stuff so right. I, it was like and they all want their kids to be lawyers and um yeah. pharmacists and doctors and stuff and yeah. it was I'm quite fortunate that my parents were like you do what you are good at or interested at oh and that's I was just, yeah I was just very good at media studies and film and I was really interested in that um and I didn't I just went into tv thinking I'll just do that for a bit but I didn't really know where I was going to like where I was going to be in it because I knew that it was going to be hard to just to get in in the first place yeah. so my, my plan was just to barge my way into DV and whoever wanted me I'll stick to that and I did yeah. that for a bit um I was in production so like a TV admin for a bit on like more like reality shows and um yeah. fact tent stuff where you know um you get presented to go off to um, tour around the country or whatever and present about wine or whatever. Oh, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did like MasterChef and stuff like that for a bit and um, uh, some kids shows and uh, what else did I do? I did Celebrity with Brother. I did Coach Trip. Wow. They're all great fun. They're all like great stuff, but it just wasn't, just felt a bit like I'm not being creative yeah. at all. Um, and casting's just not for me. Yeah. What, what aspects of that? Uh, of, 
When you say casting, you mean you casting people or? Yeah. So okay. loads of auditions and you'll go through, uh, you know, um, trying to get people onto the shows and stuff. And Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. But you'll end up like, because I think in my whole time working on play, place like The Chase and stuff like that, I think I spoke to over 2,000 people. Whoa. Yeah. And I'm, oh, no. I'm, I come off, now I come off quite confident and not shy, but I am a, quite an introvert. Yeah. So it took a long, like, it took me a while to be like, super confident to be on the phones all the time yeah you feel like you're you're in a bit of a call center after a while yeah and people who really want it (laughs) people are just gonna it's their life you have to sort of get over your fear of like talking in public when you have to do like open auditions and you're talking to like 50 people or whatever wow and you can just see their like hopes and dreams in their eyes and you're like i know that's awful i mean i've um so I've done, I've done a bit of casting for things that I worked mm. and I just want to give it to the first person who shows up and seems yeah. like they want it. I just feel so yeah. bad for them. And they're so nice when you go, okay, thanks so much. And they just go, yeah. they go away so politely. You're like, yeah. oh, I just don't want to do this. So, yeah. It's within your like casting something for something that's scripted. You're, yeah, you're, and they know the job, they know, yeah. Yeah, and also it's, um, you can sort of be like, well, we need this and they're not that, or maybe we can make the character this to make it more like them. But yeah. when you're casting real people, it's them and their personal, like it's them. You are judging their personality, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah so yeah. when you're telling them you didn't get it, you're telling them you're like, you're not saying that they're shit, but that's how they're feeling. Yeah, that's how you're going to go, oh man, that's awful. So you did like thousands of those. Yeah, and people take it really personally. Because uh, on the chase, you have to tell them immediately after they've done the audition whether they got through or not. Right. Oh. Literally in the room saying <laughs> to the 10 people, like, because it's 10 people at a time and you're all in room, you're like, so I'm going to tell if your name's not called out, you haven't gone through. No. Yeah, sorry, but you have to leave. Oh man. Do you feel like they wouldn't really harden you as a person if you kept doing it? Or you just were yeah, it got, yeah, it got to a point where I was like, I don't, I don't want to tell people bad news anymore. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm. Yeah. This is so far the other end of kind of. Yeah. yeah of telly that, that I'm yeah. on as well. It's kind of a cold face in a way, isn't it? Things stuff like that. That's quite. Yeah. It really. Yeah. It really wow. does funny, and I didn't. I didn't like what I was becoming. Yeah. I can I imagine. I just wanted to be silly and funny and be myself. Yeah. So what was the first kind of more comedy, comedy thing? So how did, actually, no, we'll go back. How did you end up doing um, directing stand-up? Because I would think most people, they probably don't know that stand-ups have directors. Yeah, doing, most people yeah. don't. Generally, most people don't. Um, especially Americans don't know that they do because oh, really? American directors always have it in their claws. Oh, no, well, comedians have it in American directors' clauses that they don't publicly tell people that they have directors. Ah. So, that it, so that it's the whole mystery and persona of they've done it themselves yeah people like um uh dave chappelle um loath to say his name but i know that he had a director louis ck they've all mm-hmm. they've all had directors um, yeah but they won't they won't say that they have oh, that's yeah. quite odd isn't it um, yeah so sophie duca who's a friend of mine um we met actually at hattrick um on um, I think it was the second ever TV show that I ever did. Um, and she was a development intern there. Um, oh. So this is before she went into comedy. So we've been friends for a really long time. And she um, asked me if I had ever thought about directing. And I said, no. She said, would I like to direct her show? And I said, no. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> and then she persuaded me around it. Because the reason I said no is because I've never done it before. And it was her debut show. And I didn't want to fuck it up. Yeah. And she was like, I don't know what a director does i don't know if i need a director but i would rather you fucked up than anyone else probably yeah <laughs> so she was like well let's work it out together like i'll tell you what i need and um like i'll, I'll make it she like gave me like a like a job description almost of what she needed from me and i was like well i can do that that's Aww. fine I've, yeah then i realized oh i've been doing that where basically you go and see people's shows and you give them advice on the show what's working what isn't yeah um, and then like working on it with her um i realized oh this is this is basically script editing. Yeah. And it's making something well. better, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like she, the way that she works is that she writes everything down. So that's quite helpful. So you can literally just be like, oh, well, yeah. this section doesn't work here. Let's move it up there. Or this isn't working at all. Let's pull that out. Let's work this in a different way. Let's punch this up. Or like, you know, we need to think more about the here. Um, all of that stuff. It's, it's, it's exactly like script editing. Like making oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I think the, the perception of, uh, of a stand-up is they maybe need someone to turn the lights on and off. And, yeah. that's, and the rest of it just, it just comes from their brain and they just do this yeah. amazing thing. But yeah, everyone needs but you're, like, you're in your material so much that you can't see what is working and what isn't and you get so attached to some bits. Yeah. You need somebody who isn't uh, emotional to those words because they haven't written it. You yeah. need them to look at it and be like, well, this is why it's not working. And because I've been a fan of comedy for such a long time and I've been um, going to see shows a lot, um, I what I would do is sit in the shows and, and see it from an audience perspective of like, um, like not think of it as I'm working on the show, but think of it as like I've come in new, fresh as an audience member. Yeah. And why why am I finding bits funny? And why am I not finding other bits funny? Is that bit an entirely different show and we should just, pin that for something else or whatever yeah um i've realized i've 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 been i've that's where that's where my skill lies of being able to like see myself like just see the work as an audience member yeah that's really it's really interesting there's something so physical about stand-up as well which sometimes i find a bit overwhelming it makes me quite anxious sometimes but there's something about the rhythm and the up and down of of stand-up that isn't always obvious in a script in fact Mm. it may not be in a script until it's performed with the right performer but with a stand-up you just get this amazing kind of up and down and it's just yeah the ability to go okay you've got too many you know there's weird little phrases that come up in scripting like someone saying you you put a hat on a hat which is like you've done a joke and you've done a joke on top of the joke and that doesn't need to be there although my argument is a hat on a hat yeah, do the joke, and then it's it's. But sometimes, if you're like creative, you you really you know you're so proud of the joke. Yeah. You want to do it again. <laughs> it's like you need someone to go. No, diminishing returns are a thing. Mm-hmm. You need to kind of not do that. Um, what we would do as well, like for one of the last steps of what we did was go through every single joke, every single section, every single theme, and go. Okay, what was the intention of what we wanted to do for the show? Is it living to up to that intention? And could it be funnier if it was shorter? Yeah, and the answer is almost always yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's how we. Oh, that's interesting. Got the uh, three-hour show down to an hour. Yeah, and it'll be an hour of really good stuff as yeah. well. It's always best to have far too long. Something yeah. I've been um, really looking at uh, my scripts lately is clarity and flow, and, and other people's yeah. as well. It's like, is this? I don't mean clarity is that you just have to understand everything. It's like mm-hmm. you don't have to understand everything that's going on in an episode like yeah. The Wire or. Um, uh, the West Wing or something, yeah. but you have to you have to believe that the characters know what they're talking about, even yeah. if you don't. So there's, there's clarity, even if it's completely mystifying. There is mm-hmm. a clarity. Okay, you know something's at stake, and some bad thing is going to happen if that doesn't yeah. happen. And the clarity, is, and then the flow is: it does it just keep? Doesn't have to keep relentlessly kind of moving, but does it feel like it's knowing where it's going? And yeah. that, that I found that really really useful yeah. recently. Is looking um, looking at my own scripts and not I'm not great at looking at other people's scripts. Because um, I, I did a couple of, because um, I'm associate lecturer at university and we're reading other people's scripts. And I find it really hard because I look at other people's scripts and go, well, I could tell you how to make that more like something I would write. But <laughs> whether that's good or not, yeah. I have absolutely no idea. So I've kind of backed away from that slightly now because I just, it's, it's, it is. Um, script editing is such a useful, uh, it's yeah. such a specific kind of skill set, isn't it? Well, I was, um, I got asked to do some script reading for the Golden Simpson bursary over lockdown. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I read, I think, over 100 scripts. And that was really fascinating. Oh, wow. It was a mixture of people who were um, already writers. Um, um, writers with agents writers without agents people who were um just dabbling in writing because it's something that they've always wanted to do yeah so it was really fascinating to see the the spectrum of writing um oh that's interesting and i think that was really useful because um there was some very bad writing but also yeah very good writing and when when it's good like it was really good to see you, you almost need to see the worst in order to appreciate the best. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when it was good, it was really fucking good. Yeah. And it was like, I don't know how they managed to to to, to pick the... Because they, they were some really strong contenders in there. But like, um, yeah, it was just really, really fascinating. I think um, my advice has always been to, to read other people's scripts, but um, I hadn't thought about it in that... Because in my head, I'm like, yeah, sure. Like you can see how things can be better, but if your if if your perspective is that you can only see it in your own your own 
words and your own style of writing, then that I can imagine that's a lot more difficult. Yeah, I think sometimes just reading a script, oh, I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah. That's amazing. I could, you know, it's not just looking for stuff to steal, yeah. but it's, <laughs> some people just brought their own things so, so yeah. completely to the table. That's just fantastic. And yeah, I think sometimes, sometimes reading a really, really bad script is also quite, quite useful, I think. Because yeah. okay, I can see it's it, you know, and, and people get better as well. Sometimes you yeah. have to write a number of bad scripts, and then you well, just sort of... a lot of these people. This was literally their first script, so you can yeah, know why? But they'll you know they'll get better the more that they write. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I look. I, I was dealing with students as well, mm. which which I'm not so much now. But I was I was obviously quite hard because I'd be judging them at a sort of professional level, and I'm thinking mm. just wait. When I was when I did a script writing course when I was like mm. twenty. Dreadful. <laughs> so I have to like give them some slack. I know yeah. it's 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 a weird thing. And sometimes it's like with books, so you have to write you have to write yeah. four or five bad books to, before you get to your good one. I think so it's same with scripts. I think I'm guessing that they would write um, completely new ideas rather than do sort of spec scripts and something that already exists. Um, this is the students. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. So a spec script in its own. Not necessarily what you meant, but in America, there was a thing to write spec scripts of other people's um, shows, like to go yeah. and write a New Girl episode or Seinfeld yeah. or something. And I kind of think it would be interesting if that was a thing here, just as a technical exercise. Yeah. But the shows here come and go so fast, it wouldn't really make sense. And there's that whole thing here where they want you to show your raw, authentic voice yeah. so that they can sort of crush it and <laughs> get you to write like everyone else, which yeah. I never really understood that. But, um, but yeah, but I mean, so talking about script writing, mm specifically and um so i was just thinking about about diversity in script writing yeah. um so i always feel like as, as like a white dude from cornwall like it's impossible to patronize me uh, <laughs> on matters of diversity i'm like starting at such a low level <laughs> it's fine um and my approach and um, we just got to talk about this a while ago over a coffee a while ago I know, but my it is it is something you get asked in you know does your script have um diverse characters in it mm. and and you and you know you're still being asked by kind of very posh white people who went to the same public schools mm. but it's nice that they're asking is kind of where I come from <laughs> um but I mean something I I thought kind of I suppose I was trying to avoid it in a way because mm. I was scared if I get it wrong I'll get told off um is I'm as you know I'm better than most people I don't see color I'm actually colorblind. It's just, it's just so because because I'm inherently just amazing. But it's more I'd write, I'd write character because I actually really I hear scripts. I don't tend to sort of visualize kind of characters, so I'd often like yeah. hear things. So I'd have like safe an ensemble things. So it's like five different characters. Mm. So it'd be like I don't know, Bob is a banker and Mary works in a shop or something. And I deliberately go for quite bland names. And then I'd mm. think, well, you know what, the casting director can find whoever's best for it. Yeah. That's fine. Um, and I don't, therefore I sort of feed myself my how to think about it. And actually what would happen is, um, you know, it would get to a, uh, a meeting with the execs and mm. someone would go, oh, well, they're all white. And I go, well, they're not any, I haven't specifically, haven't said what race they are at all. They, they could be anything. And someone would go, well, could you just put, make one of them, can you make one of them more diverse or something? So go, okay, so, so like in the description, you put like, I don't know, Bob, mm. and you put like mixed race banker, yeah. you know, that'll do. Um, and then, of course, what happens, and mystically, all the other characters have magically become white because yeah. you've said someone's mixed. And, the, and I just thought, oh, this just isn't kind of working. Mm. It feels like it isn't working. So what's, from the point of view as, I don't do so much in kind of scripted comedy, yeah. but as like a producer and a director, what's a useful thing for someone in my position uh, who is, say, writing a load of spec scripts? Yeah. How do you sort of approach that at the script level rather than trying to fob it off to the, the commissioning? Um, for the casting director saying um well i would if you're selecting a race for a character say that they're black or they're asian or whatever that you've chosen is to go through that script and then see are they like i would uh i would figure out what their background is like yeah. fully not just oh that they're they're asian like what where have they come from what working what whether working class they you know because um a bangladeshi person growing up in london has a very different experience from an indian uh person in Lon like growing up in london it's two very different socioeconomic backgrounds yeah. um and how they've their families would have come over from from their respective places and all that sort of stuff as well and the way that they would have grown up and like also me being a bangladeshi person from london but grew up in winchester is a very different experience from somebody who 
fully grew up in London is it's two different two different things so once you've figured out exactly what that character is you can then go through the script and see are they reacting to situations from their personal um growth and from where they are at um and a good example that i always use is the show called the bold type um which is about three millennials working in magazine publishing. Oh, yes yes we talked about this yeah uh, so there's this one character um who is mixed race she's black and and white but um, she's clearly been an afterthought because she doesn't act like a mixed race person who grew up in New York would act around police. Um, and it's quite obvious, it's quite evident, and everybody tweeted about it at the time. So what they end up having to do is reverse engineer in this second series of how, why, what was her upbringing that made her the way that she was. And they did a good job of it, but it meant that a lot of the lot of the show in the second series had to revolve around her trying to figure herself out yeah trying to figure her out and so they're justifying yeah, yeah retrospectively and yeah that's time and space that could have been used to do something else yeah exactly i think is there much freedom for actors as well to go mm. do you know what i'm not sure a character with my background will react in the same way or is that just going to cause like, trouble i feel like it should be but i feel like some actors because there's such few work for actors um, of colour, especially um, when it comes to Asian actors, they get typecast into certain roles of being um, like the best friend or the uh, convenience store worker or uh, just like minor roles that they find it difficult to speak up when certain things happen. Yeah. Or like they feel like, you know, it should be something else. And even when they get to bigger roles, it's so oftentimes it's like their big breaks so that they feel like they should be grateful. Yeah. Um, and not have to say, you know, just not speak up sort of thing. So they don't tend to. Um, so I think the important thing in that in that environment is to make it a genuinely open space for them yeah. to be comfortable to, to, to bring that up. And I feel like some places do do that. Like um, Paul Feig um during the Edinburgh TV Festival in 2019, I think it's on YouTube, you can find it. He um, was talking about, um, he was casting for a role um, and uh, I can't remember who it was, but somebody came in and they did it in a completely different way to how he imagined it, but he fell in love with what they were doing with it. Okay. So what he then did was went back to the script, just changed everything about that character yeah. and made it how they did it. So then yeah. it was their role and it was more about them um, rather than being, you know, rather than shoehorning that person into the role that they already had. Yeah. And also if you want, I suppose it's a case, yeah, like you say, it's a case that if you want the actors to sort of make the role, uh, and you have to make room for them to do that yeah. and make it very clear that they can do that. Mm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. If also, I can imagine if you're, if there's something about fighting over the same roles, you just don't want to make yeah. a fuss, do you? Which must be quite. I think also maybe because Paul thinks from more of an improv, so he's sort of quite yeah, comfortable yeah. with improv, isn't he, as well? So maybe it's slightly easier to do that in a comedy than it is to do in drama. But yeah, um, but and also for like some, I think it also comes from because um, some people have that fear of like it has to be what it's on the script, like it just has to be, like this is what yeah. I imagined, and it can't be anything else, and they don't have that. Um, it's too rigid, I feel. But I, I've, I've seen it other places as well where um, so there's a film called The Power. Mm -hmm. um, it's on Shudder, I think. It's a British horror film. And I don't know their processes of, of casting, but from knowing one of the actors in there, and I know that he's Indian, um, but he's speaking Bengali in the film. And I imagine it's because the, uh, basically the, the film is about a... Um, uh, a World War Two. Uh, it's a hospital set in World War Two, basically, and yep. um, they're trying to get through the night when the power's going to go off because of like air raids and stuff. Um, but that's also obviously it's a horror film. The it's haunted. Oh, I think I've seen a trailer for that. Yeah, but there's a little girl in it, um, and I think she's like maybe ten years old, eleven years old, and she's been gawly. and the basically she's because it's in World War II, she's not British Bangladeshi, she's 
she's from Bangladesh. So she speaks very little English and she only speaks Bengali. And I imagine because she's actually Bangladesh in real life, that she probably speaks at home. So she's comfortable speaking Bengali. So they've made the decision to have um, Shubnam, who plays um, the doctor, um, because he he's, happens to be the same and it can translate for them to also be Bangladeshi as well. Oh, okay. Bengali, so I feel like yeah. that's what they've decided. They've they did it that way around. She's, she's the important one, so we're going to change everything to make it work for her. Yeah. So I feel like that's what they've done. That makes sense. Yeah, that's and interesting. That's, that work, that's worked really nicely. Yeah. Um, and that's something that um, I hadn't really considered before, like who who's the most important part and and focusing on that and making it work around that person. Around that, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Oh, I um, I'm just it's other things that kind of are like how sadly cheesy but like how can I be useful in writing yeah. a script and potentially putting together a show as well like what's what stuff that I as a like middle-aged white dude I'm probably not thinking about when I'm putting a show together bring people uh, in bring people in and what, yeah. what how do you mean like um bring in people with those experiences and knowledge of those characters in to write because also, also like there's such a a lack of opportunities for those people that um those things like those things will help with like bringing people in to get those voices in and make it more authentic okay and what about um because something i have noticed um i'm not on set that often but um how how do you make like the guys doing like the lighting and the sound yeah. how do you get more diverse kind of people doing that end of stuff the more technical end of stuff as well is there like a formal way of doing that because it just feels like the same people have been doing the same jobs for like yeah. 50 years um i feel like there's there's been a lot of like there's there's people like creative access who've been trying to get people um in from the like bottom and mid-level up trying to get more people in that are diverse into tv on the production and editorial side of things and i there are schemes trying to get more diversity within um within like um the tech side of it like with grips and stuff uh but there just isn't enough support yeah there just needs to be more of it um and you just need to push for it and request yeah and ask for it because if you don't ask for it people are just going to go with the people that they okay they know because they because especially with it's tricky with with crew because they tend to have a group of people that they they've worked with before and they trust and you know they all gel together yeah so they'll have those people over and over and over again um so it's the onus of making sure that um it's not just that like i worked on um a show where it was supposed to be mainly women so we had to we we made sure that we had female um auto key script we had female grips we had female everything um, there's still a few men obviously but at the same time it was really great that we had all of these women on board but they were all white yeah yeah okay yeah and yeah. kept telling me how diverse it was how wonderful it was like, i'm like yeah i'm literally it was me and one no it was me a runner and one of the talent who were not white and everybody okay. else was white and that's your lot yeah. yeah so just let's look a bit further afield yeah, um, and then there because like especially when it comes to crew, because um, there's a level of having to there's a skill there's a level of learning and there's a level of like though the access to courses are mm. quite expensive. Okay, um, and it's because I don't because I'm not crew I don't know how they because I know a lot of people it's from word of mouth and stuff I think yeah especially when it comes to like trainee roles um, I think it's just trying to cast your net a little bit wider think a little bit out of the box of where you're going to 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 find people and also there's this level of um because because we've not seen it ourselves on tv or have seen us names on the credits of behind the scenes and stuff people yeah. just assume tv's not for me okay um i don't know why i did it and i don't know why i kept persisting because <laughs> it took me a really long time to get into it um, yeah i was just determined because i think i was just like i don't I can't do anything else. Yeah. Not, Lack of a plan B is really, really yeah. important. Yeah. I was really bad at science. I was really bad at maths. I was really bad at, I was really bad at pretty much everything. Yeah. 
<laughs> but also because I think I don't test very well. So I didn't really realize that until a really long time. It's just I don't like the pressure of it. So yeah. maybe I am good at other things, but I just the exam side of it just put me away off it. I can well imagine. Yeah. yeah. No, now it's I'm so deep into it. I really, really can't do anything else. <laughs> there's no there's no way out no is yeah. there frankly no I had a weird sort of um moment just a couple of years ago where I was just thinking like, it's, it's just taking so long for anything to happen and I was just thinking maybe I should do something else and I just had that moment of I don't think I can do anything else <laughs> I think I might just have to write scripts until I die because that's my thing that I'm <laughs> I'm genuinely happy to I'm really happy working in a bookshop uh, and that was about you know that was about the first not you know I uh, was like oh, I would love to work in a bookshop and um I went in for interview awards and they were like no it's not for you <laughs> <laughs> it's like fine okay oh okay oh that's good to know yeah oh, oh, that's rubbish, isn't it? yeah no I, I, I worked in a waterstones in um in Canterbury for quite a few years and I was like yeah I was quite scared about speaking in public and stuff and I ended up doing um having to see big interviews with authors and stuff yeah and uh, that kind of broke me a bit because I was terrified for the first few times. Yeah. And uh, and then, but after a while, I get like, no one's here to hear me. They're here to yeah. hear Neil Gaiman say things. Yeah. It almost doesn't matter what I say. I completely mess it up. Who cares? Mm. And it suddenly kind of clicked. And I felt, I felt kind of all right about it after that. But um, mm. oh, yes. That's a good point, actually. Like, um, of like doing things that's not your like typical what, what you want to do your job sort of thing because um I think a lot of people are like I want to do comedy I can only do comedy yeah um, I'm not going to take on any job outside of it it took me a really long time to a get onto the editorial side of tv and then even once I was on that side it took me a really long time to break into comedy because it was yeah. such a boys club uh like an Oxbridge boys club like literally and yeah I think um people get a bit um like I can only do, like I can't take on other jobs. And I think what's made me really good at what I do is I just, if it's if it's interesting and it's enjoyable, I will do it. So I've, yeah. having done reality TV and having to interview people has made me really good at interviewing comedians before they go on to shows and doing okay. biogs and stuff. Yeah. Um, Pre-interview chats. And then also when it comes to filming, at the, like if, um, say that you're doing talking heads or stuff like I'm I've been very I'm good at getting um them into a place where they're comfortable talking to me and getting information out of them that they wouldn't have necessarily oh okay ah, are you doing some some writing as well now yeah so the show that I'm working on now um has some scripting elements of like I'm not sure how much there's, but there's like sketches yeah I don't know so I've been I've been doing a bit of that ah. um, which, which is that's the thing as well like people seem to think with because it's called unscripted yeah. telly, but there's not a script, but you're writing a script for every single thing that, that you do. And you're yeah. writing jokes for it, um, which is like, I've been writing jokes and stuff for scripts for a while. Um, but because I'm a producer, I don't have, I get the producer credit, but I don't get the writer's credit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mm. so I've, been, I've been doing a bit of that and a bit of script editing and stuff as well. Uh, do you feel like you might move into scripted to start writing? I'd love to. But I also wouldn't say no to other things. It's like I'm, I've got used to, to doing a bit of everything. Yeah, I think that's very cool though. But it's, yeah. it's really interesting. It's like looking at, I read some of it, like a CV is a sort of retrospective mm -hmm. concept anyway. Because when you look back yeah. on it, it always looks like it's going in a certain direction. In reality, you're just yeah. sort of bouncing about doing different things. So yeah, oh, that's really, well, that's really interesting. Um, I guess yeah. that's it really. Yeah, go on. Oh, I just want to say, with oh. me getting to like, every there's like been different stages where like I've I've looked at something like oh that's what I love like when I got into tv um you're gonna hate me for this but mm -hmm. green wing was the one I was like I really love that kind of surreal comedy and I would have want to work on something like that so that's what initially got me into tv and then seeing Mindy Kaling do the office and then her own show made me think oh I can oh that's great comedy and I yeah you're my terms yeah yeah like because she was a writer producer and she was in it as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then people like Bisha K. Ali, who, um, although she's the stand-up, she's not a, she's not an actor. Like, because for me, for a long time, I was like, well, I'm not a performer. I'm like, I don't act. Because it was yeah. for a long time where there was just like, if you're not a um, performer writer, then people don't really want to see, like, they don't want to talk to you. They, you know, it's really hard to get in yeah. the other route. But um, like seeing her do stuff has been amazing. Um, yeah, it's just like, 
people because if you see yourself enough you sort of don't realize the impact it has when you haven't and then you yeah i can well imagine yeah yeah because it really it's does open the doors for you like just <sighs> mentally of being like oh i can i can do this too yeah yes yeah, it's, it's- I mean, much. I'm very proud of Greenwing, but it was not looking back. I mean, I've heard people go, "That was the whitest hospital <laughs> there has ever been." I'm like, looking back, yes, I I totally agree. And if we were doing it again, I yeah. think we'd put a lot more effort into go. Oh, hang on, actually, uh, there's there's places where we could definitely improve it. So, but um, oh, it's been really good. Also, next, talk to you again. And it sounds like a weird thing to say in the nicest possible way. We'll talk to you again and less about diversity because I always feel like you're talking to you about that. You get to represent all non-white <laughs> you know, and more about the stuff that you're doing because it's just fantastic. So I want to talk about the yeah. stuff that you're doing and kind of diverse stuff as well because I think you're doing some really interesting stuff over over lockdown on that. But um, well, maybe because I feel like you're sort of starting. You're way over on one side of comedy and I'm way over on the other. But eventually, hopefully, we can actually end up working on the same project, which I think would be, be very nice. cool. So. Yes, well, one day I look forward to that. Well, thank you very much for your time. And um, well, best of luck with your... Go on, go, sorry. Thing. Mm. Plug uh, things. So, uh, so I've been working with uh, Bilal Zafar on the first ever Twitch movie, um, which is screening um, on the 18th of August um, in okay. Dolce Cinema in Rio, but we're also going to take it elsewhere as well. And there'll be a lot more screenings. Um, oh, fantastic. Around, but they will happen. That'll be great. Well, send me the link to that, and I'll make sure it's in the yeah. in the write-up of the whole thing. Cool. So, the um, damned Pez United. The what? Sorry. The damned Pez United. The damned Pez United. Yeah. Uh, so, and it's, it's a Twitch movie. Yeah. Well, great. it's it's a Twitch movie in the sense that it originated in Twitch, and he created and um, developed all the characters in Twitch. But we've filmed it outside of Twitch. Okay. Um, but in the similar sort of format of how Twitch is, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's superb. All right, cool. Well, we'll, we'll plug that to hell and back. That's fantastic. And best of luck with it. All right. Well, um, and we will chat again soon. That'd be really nice. Right. Well, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. All right. Cheers. Bye. Right. 